1: All right, everybody, um, welcome to tell me this, a podcast about belonging, connection, building community with others, seeing each other for who we are and valuing those contributions, those unique contributions we make to our spaces. Um, this is episode 12, if you can believe it, we're, I'm calling it shared vulnerability. I am your host, Carrie Borkowski. Um, and I, you know, this coronavirus, I don't know about you guys, but it's, you know, it's got me, I don't know, upside down, inside out. I don't know what the expression is. I feel like day to day, my moods shift and and roll and ebb and flow and all those those descriptors that we think about when we talk about I don't know, dynamic change and constant change, really. I hope everyone is staying healthy and safe. Um, I also hope and want to encourage everyone to really make sure you've implemented some sort of practice of self care. Um, you know, whether it's going for a walk, I've seen pictures of beautiful scenery of people taking walks, getting outside and just smelling the fresh air. I took, it's been super rainy in Massachusetts. I mean, mud puddles everywhere. So, The kids and I put on our rain boots today and took a mini hike through our backyard woods. And it was short and icky and I don't love a mess, but it was so good um, just to get out. So keep doing what you do to take care of yourself. If you don't usually pay a lot of attention to your self-care, please make sure you're doing something, taking a moment to breathe, reading a book, petting your pet, petting your dog, your cat. Um, I don't know, getting outside, as I said, doing yoga, listening to some music, whatever it is that you do to sort of just take care of yourself. Um, These are anxious and unprecedented moments, and uh, I can only imagine the stressors and responsibility each person listening must have. I've heard from many and know in my own life that there are so many things going on and they just never seem to stop. I'm still encouraging, really insisting that we all figure out how to take even a moment every day to breathe. Like I said, go for a walk in your neighborhood, snuggle with your dog. I've been giving Grady some good snuggles. Um, As I said, find some music. I made a a new playlist yesterday. Um, My friends know how much I love making playlists, so that's even a bit of renewal. I'm doing some yoga with the kids, which is a whole new adventure haven't quite had the time to read the book. I've been thinking about it, but haven't had the time. So, whatever it is, you really do have to take care of yourself. We are no good to our loved ones, our colleagues, our neighbors, um, our kids, or really anyone else if we're not taking care of ourselves. And as I said um, during our our school day with our kids, I take about 15 minutes early in the morning, and we do do yoga to sort of not start our day, but maybe I don't know, like mid morning. Um, I am not really a yoga participant. I've tried. I'm not a yoga teacher. Certainly, I know a few poses, but it is so fun and amazing. We laugh, we stretch, we breathe, and it really does have a calming effect. So, um, so yeah. So please make sure you're you're taking care of yourself and implementing some sort of self care. So shared vulnerability. What in the world is all this to about? Well. On the podcast today, I want to explore this topic that honestly, I was having a conversation with a, a really good friend and colleague, and and we were talking about, um, well, we were talking about the coronavirus and everything going on, and um, we're right, working on a, a manuscript together, and we were thinking about our our current context, the social distancing, the isolation, how everyone is moving to online and distance learning, and. Really noticing this need to connect with one another, I, I would argue more now than ever, um, we need to be focusing on uh, social presence and really, you know, that cohesion, that connection, that affect, um, that affect, you know, expre- expressive affect to be able to to share with each other authentically. And she said um, that what what we're really experiencing is this shared vulnerability and this idea that we need to name this and we need to talk about it. So I thought it'd be interesting to explore this idea a little more as it fits nicely into the overall theme of the podcast. So I started down what I finally fondly would refer to as a, a research rabbit hole. And my students and close colleagues know exactly what this is because they've either been down one themselves or they've heard me talk about it. So essentially, you start, you know, this could be anybody. It doesn't have to be academic research. But often for me, I begin to explore some research. I look for an article on a topic. One article leads to some other point that leads to another place that leads to sometimes a random corner, entirely re- entirely different, but somehow related. And soon you find yourself, yep, down a rabbit hole. If you're on a deadline trying to finish an article, a project, or an assignment, rabbit holes might not be the best idea because they often are a distraction and keep you from finishing something. But oftentimes, these can also be important detours um, you know, and, and maybe if you have the time and the space, just continue that journey to see where you're going. Sometimes it's a dead end at the end of the rabbit's warren, if you will. And sometimes it opens up these paths, these tunnels into all sorts of new ideas. Well, I'm not sure that my journey was easy, was on either end of that characterization, but it was certainly somewhere in the middle. So it wasn't a waste of time when I was preparing for this episode. Um, But I'm not sure I had any sort of new discoveries, but we'll see what happens. So on today's episode, we'll explore this idea of shared vulnerability. Um, We'll talk about or I'll talk about what exactly this means or what, you know, my friend and colleague and I were speaking about with respect to shared vulnerability. And we'll dig in a little bit more to vulnerability, the word how do we address this vulnerability, and then I'll wrap up the podcast with um, some practical tips. When I come back, I will share, of course, a brief story and talk about this idea of shared vulnerability. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to Tell Me This. Thanks for sticking around. This is episode 12. And we're going to jump right into this idea of shared vulnerability. And as I often like to do, I'm going to start us off with a story. And I was trying to think of a story about my grandmother. Um, I've been thinking a lot about her lately. And honestly, I can say I'm actually grateful that she's not with us here during this coronavirus. I, th- I think this would have been really difficult with for her she worries and she used, she worried and she, I don't know, maybe as she got older, she tended to carry that worry of others on her own shoulders. And so I don't think this would have, she just wouldn't have done well with this, this whole crisis. So, but as I was thinking about my grandmother and preparing for this podcast episode, I was of course trying to think of a, which story, not think of a story, but gosh, which story could I bring um to the episode today and and this story there's nothing great and magical about this story it's actually quite simple um you know the truth is my grandmother and I did share a lot of vulnerability i feel like we were always authentic we were able to listen um she definitely leaned in remember what the name of this podcast is tell me this to me that was really her being present with me and she listened, and she shared, expressed her feelings, and always made me feel like she was listening, she was empathizing, and really did try to understand. And I felt like sometimes she even could feel my frustration or upset or my curiosity just just in the way she would sort of re- repeat it back to me, um, which I always found interesting. And the memory that came to me as I was preparing was thinking about those mornings that I spent with both my grandparents in Florida if you remember I talked about spending my college spring breaks in Florida with my grandparents driving from North Carolina to Florida because my grandfather and I would play a lot of golf hit a Disney park of course and really just hang out it was it was quite simple but quite lovely as well and and what I remember um, are the early mornings my grandfather was an early riser so he was up pretty early and he would usually go out and walk the dog or or, or do something, take a walk himself. And so it left me and my grandmother up with the sun. I remember her, you know, in in the kitchen making breakfast, probably preparing lunches and snacks for our golf outing later in the day. And of course I remember her bathrobe and her slippers. And you can probably guess she was she either had music on she was either humming or singing. Some kind of music was in the air, of course. And after she would finish preparing breakfast, she and I would, you know, I would grab my orange juice and she would grab her cup of coffee and we would walk out to her side screened porch um, at her small place in Florida. And, and she had a great just little, um, not a swing, but again, one of those sort of um, swivel, like recliners for two people, like one of those outdoor indoor outdoor sort of couch things that you could rock in. Um, and we would just sit there, you know, she would, we, we wouldn't have seen each, had seen each other for a while. Cause of course I'm at college. So some of the conversation would be, you know, catching up. She would ask me how I was doing about school. We would just talk. We would catch up. She asked me about my friends, about playing hockey, my studies, Um, You know, we were being ourselves in no particular hurry to get anywhere, but here in our conversation, focused, attentive, loving, present, you know, I mattered, she mattered, that moment mattered. We could see each other. We were just sharing a moment and we shared a lot of those moments and I, th- I do think that's a shared vulnerability, um, I, I guess, partly because there was an authentic nature to the conversation. We were both there, focused on each other, focused on the conversation at hand. I also think it was a shared vulnerability because sometimes we would sit just quietly. We could, I don't know, hear the bird, the morning birds, the Florida, you know, that Florida breeze. Um so I think there's a shared vulnerability and a willingness to sit quietly and peacefully um, with someone else, and and not be sort of unnerved by that that silence. So as I as I thought more about that story and the conversation that I had with my friend around this this whole thing of shared vulnerability, I I decided, of course, as I said, remember rabbit hole, I started down this rabbit hole. And the first thing I did, of course, is I went to um, some of the library databases, Google Scholar, and started searching for this idea of shared vulnerability. So what I noticed in the literature is that shared vulnerability, at least from what I could find, now I didn't do an exhaustive search, but at least from what I could find, is it often referred to a state of being related to mental health. And from what I could gather, and I didn't understand a lot of the the language because it was, um, you know, mental health literature and things of that nature. So, but what I could gather is that it's an idea that multiple factors like intelligence, cognitive flexibility can interact with other vulnerabilities and result in this creativity. Um, they use this, this example of John Nash and beautiful minds. So, really, they were talking about shared vulnerability. With vulnerability as a different definition, so sort of an exposure or a possibility of 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 being mentally ill, right? So like what what happens when those things collide? Regardless of my my poor interpretation of that literature, this is not what I'm referring to here. So I continued to journey through that rabbit hole and thought, well, Maybe if I tweak the term a little bit, maybe I'm I'm searching this incorrectly, right? So if we if we don't find what we're looking for using the terms we start with, maybe we we find a synonym or a similar term. So I tried social vulnerability, but that wasn't an either because the CDC defines social vulnerability as a community's ability to prevent human suffering and financial loss in a disaster. The factors around social vulnerability include things like poverty, you know, your ability to access transportation, the density of houses. So there's actually a social vulnerability index so you can evaluate different communities and towns to check, I guess, and rate or measure their vulnerability. Um, so they're talked about reducing so- social vulnerability or preparing for it requires examin- examination of things like Needed resources. Who would be available support? um, You know, are there shelters available, and how would they evacuate in the case of an emergency? Okay, so so far, not really what I'm thinking about, right? So exposure opportunities that are problematic, possible weaknesses. Um, So I tried another search. What about emotional vulnerability? Well, again, instability of emotions, not able to manage normal course of life. Nope. Not either. Then I started to see these different types of vulnerabilities all characterized as some sort of weak link in the system, the community, or the person. This is definitely not aligning with my conception of shared vulnerability. Okay, so we've got shared vulnerability in the mental health literature. We've got this idea of social vulnerability, which really is the extent to which a community can manage um, a, either a human or a financial loss or crisis. Emotional vulnerability really seems to be about the instability of emotions. So it's really again these weak links. I had to remind myself, and and this reading this literature reminded me that vulnerability commonly is thought of as a weak link. And if you go to Webster.com or a dictionary site, it says that vulnerability refers to the quality or state of being exposed to the possibility of being attacked or harmed, either physically or emotionally. Weakness. So I went back to Brene Brown and was reminded of her definition of vulnerability. And she talks about vulnerability as a concept that includes uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. This feels really different to me as a definition. It doesn't include the idea of being attacked or harmed. I get that this is possible. If you let yourself be vulnerable, you definitely open yourself up to the possibility of being harmed. But I want to see vulnerability as an opportunity not a liability. And I believe that what Dr. Brown suggests in many of her books, as she suggests, that there's great courage in the act of vulnerability. I mean, if you've seen any of her work, and she was actually on 60 Minutes last night, she talks about there's no, you know, no courageous act without vulnerability. You know, she's been to military installations. She's worked with powerful CEOs and you just can't untangle those two pieces, those two characteristics, courage and vulnerability. So then we come out of that rabbit hole and we're still, I'm still, and hopefully you're still, so I say we're still asking the question, what is shared vulnerability? In the conversation I had with my friend who I mentioned earlier, we discussed and agreed that shared vulnerability is an acknowledgement and orally stating or intentionally noticing that we're all going through something in this moment. This something may be contextually different. So we're talking about the pandemic right now, right? Obviously. So we're all feeling this. We're all social distancing. Many states are even going under shelter in place or mandated quarantine, however you want to describe it. It may be contextually different, right? Kids, no kids, job stressors, community barriers, the supports, what your home sort of looks like and feels like. The something might look different on the outside, but the thoughts, the feelings, and the behaviors around that vulnerability and those stressors, they overlap in so many ways. And so this shared vulnerability is first acknowledging that we need to name it, and second, we've got to talk about it. I think we all kind of know this instinctively, and so this is also why many of us are focused squarely on priority one with our colleagues, students, families, neighbors, connection. In these moments of stress, anxiety, fear, and isolation, do you feel connected, and do you feel like you belong somewhere? In these moments of the coronavirus, of dealing with everything that's coming out of this pandemic, we have to talk about and create space for our shared vulnerability. If you've been reading any Facebook, Twitter, messages from universities, your alma mater, and paying attention to some of the thought leaders, educators, business folks, online resource providers, The number one thing that they're talking about most of the time is not accountability. It's not academic standards. It's not state testing. Um, It's connection. It's social connection. Are you taking care and minding the connection that, that you have with your students, with your family? You know, everyone is thinking about ways to keep connected because social distance is physical distance. It doesn't have to be social isolation. All right. That was a lot for segment one. And I'm going to take a quick break. I'm going to breathe. Maybe do a little yoga with the kids. Maybe a little, um, what do they call it? They call it clock and monkey pose, I think. So I'll be right back to talk about the how of shared vulnerability. Well, at least my version of the how. So thanks for listening. This is Tell Me This. I'm your host, Carrie Borkowski, and I'll be right back in a moment. All right, I'm back. So I was going to do that monkey pose where you bend over and sort of just rock your hands and take some breath breaths, but my kids were more interested in doing tree pose, trying to get them to work on their balance. And we always end with child's pose. Oh, that's a great way to do some breathing and feel calm. So I'm ready to go and continue with our conversation. This is episode 12 of Tell Me This, and we're talking about shared vulnerability. And I was just talking about how hard it is or how it was actually to find the definition of this term. And oftentimes the sort of um, common or I don't know, often used definition centers on weakness and exposure. And Brene Brown reminds us there's really great strength in this vulnerability, that courage and vulnerability really do go hand in hand and if we properly attend to and care for it. In the next segment, I wanted to talk about just that. How do we attend to it? Tell me this, have you ever been in a meeting or a conversation, virtual or otherwise, with another person During a particularly difficult time and all of a sudden the person or people engaged in the conversation go, well, maybe a bit too deep for your comfort level, maybe a little oversharing or too much, too fast. Shared vulnerability and this idea of sharing our common vulnerability is not a therapy session. We do need boundaries. So how does this work? I say this seriously and I and I and I say this because when I talk about belonging and I talk about building community or I talk about something like vulnerability and I've said this before I sometimes feel like even though folks in the room or students in the class or even my family members don't physically do it I feel like they're giving me some sort of symbolic eye roll, even if it's just with their body language. So I want to be really clear from the start I'm not talking about a therapy session here. I'm not talking about bearing your soul to your colleagues, you know in a in a work setting or or during a meeting or during a class. This is really about being authentic and being true and truthful about I don't know, maybe things are a bit disrupted right now because of the pandemic. Maybe you're way more tired than you usually are because, I don't know, you've been homeschooling your kids, trying to keep your job afloat and managing everything that is um, required around the house. Plus, you're pretty stressed out about everything that's going on. You know, that's, that's shared vulnerability. I'm not talking about, you know, Sharing some of your deep, your deep, um, I don't know, I don't know, deep dark secrets isn't the right word, but um, you know what I'm talking about. So how do we do this work? Well, as I've said in past episodes, it's super important to create the space and time. So the first thing you have to do is you've got to build it in. You know, we are all busy, and now my guess is everybody is busier. And now, as I said earlier, it's It's even more important that you carve out time, even if it's an hour a day, maybe that's too much for you, 30 minutes a day, and create the space. Write it in your calendar, put it in your Outlook calendar, write it in your paper, notebook, your to-do list, wherever you keep this stuff, set an alarm and create space. You have to do it. When you get that space and time and you get folks together, build trust. And one of the, the easiest Ways to build trust is if you're facilitating the conversation or you're attending and engaging in the conversation, bring your authentic self. Do the best you can to be as honest as you can about how you're feeling in the moment. Acknowledge the moment of difficulty, the challenge, the stressor, name it. Even if it's uncomfortable to be in the conversation, talk about that. You know, that you created this space, you know it's important to take the time because of how you're feeling and you're sensing how others are feeling. And just admit maybe that you're not so sure how to start the conversation. That is a great way to start the conversation. That is being honest. And that just opens the door for other people to engage in this really honest conversation. Um, You know, one way to start that conversation outside of telling them that you're not sure what to do is just to open it up. You know, come to the discussion, the meeting, and ask how folks are doing. How are you feeling? How are you managing? What's changed for you? What can we be doing to help? What should we be doing together? Open-ended questions are great because there are lots of answers that could be possible. No one answer is right. And theres it's harder to shut down open-ended questions, right? If you say something like, are you feeling okay today? Well, someone can easily get away with saying yes or no. And unless you're bold enough to ask a follow up, that conversation sort of is, is you know, dead on arrival. So asking an open ended question and then taking that that silence, which is hard, taking that pause um, to let people, you know, give people a chance to respond. You'd be amazed at what happens. And as I said, share your own experience and your hidden stories. Share something that maybe wouldn't be blatantly obvious from Looking at you, knowing you, Googling you, because yeah, that's a thing these days. So, creating the space and time is the first step. If you're not willing to create the time, well, you can't go any further with these steps. Building trust, you know, this goes back to the notion of that pre work that you have to do. You can't have these conversations. You can't do the work of shared vulnerability unless you're willing to create the space that includes trust. And the other thing I've been thinking about, and you know how much I love little alliterations and mnemonics, I came up with the five L's, and hopefully it's five. So lean in, listen, laugh, love, and and learn. So lean in, listen, laugh, love, and learn. So before you get all, you know, again, roll eye on me about that word love in there, give me a chance to explain. So Leaning in is this notion of paying attention, staying focused. And the key here with staying focused in the 21st century is I don't care how talented you are, how smart you are, how good you are, how well you can manipulate your phone, your computer, and have a conversation, don't do it. Do not multitask when you're in these these moments, um, these spaces with your friends and colleagues and students. Stay focused you know, read your email or scan your Facebook page later. Be in this moment that everyone has carved out to be together because I can promise you the easiest way to lose any trust you've built up is to get caught. And I'm putting that in quotes, um, you know, checking Facebook. So lean in, listen. So you're leaning in and paying attention. Now I need you to listen. What does that mean? This is why I'm asking you not to multitask because the only way to lean in and then listen is to stop multitasking and take in what each individual is saying and sharing. I mean, really take it in. Try to imagine what they're saying. See and feel the moment. You may not have ever been in that moment, but part of empathy is being able to dial in to a moment in your own life and experience you've had that's similar enough that you get it. Ask good questions and tell them what you're hearing as you pay attention. The only way a facilitator or a good friend or a good colleague or a great leader or teacher can ask good questions is if you're really paying attention. You've got to listen. So lean in, stop multitasking, listen, ask good questions, laugh. Oh my goodness, you're definitely going to laugh. These conversations, these shared vulnerabilities are not all tears and sorrow. Oftentimes the, the tears turn into laughter and my friends and colleagues will tell you that some of the best deep shared vulnerability is when those la- those tears turn into great <laughs> great chuckling and laughter it's not all tears struggle and stress quite the opposite the hard conversations i've had with friends the t- tears turn into laughter the laughter biologically decreases stress, home horm- stress hormones um, I also read that it increases your immune cells, making you stronger, healthy, and can even create a momentary relief from pain. Imagine that, just the sheer act of laughing can decrease your stress, improve your health, and can even create relief from pain. I don't know the science. Don't ask me how it works, why it works. I have some friends that maybe could explain it. I don't know how but I just love the idea that having a good laugh could also be good for my health and it feels great to laugh with people with whom you're connected and it builds that connection and continues to build that trust. All right, so where are we with the five L's? We lean in, we're not multitasking, we're listening, really paying attention and empathizing so that we can ask good questions. Maybe some of those questions lead to some laughter and this fourth one I know is hard for people to take in is love. Now, look, I don't mean romantic love. If you go to the dictionary, there are lots of definitions of love. And the one that I grabbed onto was this idea of having a deep interest and affection for someone or something. All right. Deep interest and affection. So love. Now, in this case, I'm speaking about caring, kindness, consideration. Patience, interest, right? Interest and affection for the moments together. Again, being in the moment. If you're listening and leaning in, you can't help but love that moment, the people in the spaces, and the experiences you shared. And finally, always have to fit in learning. Always something new to discover here. And often, this kind of learning creates some peace and calm for each person because often the learning is really realizing and understanding and knowing that we are in this together. We're here for each other and experiencing similar things. It's not a case of misery loves company, right? It's not people sitting around being feeling sorry for themselves and sort of being in misery. That's not what it is. I mean, that might be a little bit of it. Look, this stuff is messy, but there's also laughter and there's also a lot of uplift and joy it is a power in the connection and belonging. It is moving through, not pushing away or ignoring or pushing down. It's moving through a really difficult, in this case, in my opinion, almost an unimaginable moment and holding on to each other and being together in these spaces to talk about the it, whatever it is, but also laughing and smiling together. So, how does this work? How can you cultivate shared vulnerability? Well, it might not happen overnight. It might happen for a fleeting moment, and over time it might go on longer. There's no real formula to how this should work, but I do think it's important that we we work for this kind these kinds of connections in our lives that we create space, we build trust, and we practice these 5 Ls: leaning in, listening, Laughing, loving, and learning. So, when I come back from a short break, I'll wrap up the episode with just a few tips on how to get started with exploring the shared vulnerability in your life. This is Tell Me This, and I'm your host, Carrie Brokoski. Thanks for so much for listening, and I'll be right back. Thanks for sticking around. And we are headed into the last segment of today's episode Shared Vulnerability. This is Tell Me This, and I am your host, Carrie Borkowski. I bet some of you thought we were going to end this podcast without talking about a research article. Well, I saved it towards the end, and we're still going to get one in. We're going to squeeze in just a few notes about an article that I read this week. Um, the article is entitled "A Review of Narrative Pedagogy Strategies to Transform Traditional Nursing Education." A review of narrative Pedago- pedagogy strategies to transform traditional nursing education. The authors Brown, Kirkpatrick, Magnum, and Avery in 2008. So, what they were really looking at is this idea that you know, in the in nursing education, traditional practices have worked. Um, it's created or helped to cultivate nurses who are efficient, effective, and knowledgeable out in the workplace. And these authors argue, like like really, like many professions are arguing these days, that the 21st century needs additional approaches to address the diverse and ever-changing demands of the profession. Um, I, I didn't think about it when I found this article, but gosh, it's it's so timely given what we're we're managing as a country and a world right now. So what they talked about in the article is this idea of partnerships and learning among teachers, clinicians, and students. So no longer this idea of, you know, um, didactic learning or factory model or sort of, you know, dumping the knowledge into your brain, so to speak, if you want a metaphor. They really believe, and a lot of folks talk about partnerships in learning Um, student-centered learning, where clinicians, teachers, and students are able to um, work together and offer opportunities for new approaches. And in particular, the reason I was drawn to this article is they're talking about narrative pedagogy, which focuses on processes of teaching, critical thinking, interpreting, analyzing concepts, but specifically they were looking at storytelling. Um, So, they wanted to think about how they could engage nursing students in storytelling to lead to um, nurses who were prepared, as I said, to address these diverse needs and demands of the profession. So they really wanted to look at this idea of the ability to know and connect with students as the focus of the learning space, to form partnerships among teachers and students And to be able to help nursing students, really, and probably the clinicians as well, publicly share and interpret their experiences while they're in nursing school. So, storytelling, as they define it, really is this it it serves as an effective transfer of information. If you've ever heard a good story, it captures your interest, your attention. It also, interestingly enough, you're able to recall details more easily if it's sort of, you know, organized in a memorable story or narrative. And the other thing it does is it brings fact to life and makes the material relevant, right? So if you think about adult learning theory, making things relevant is critical um, to deep and authentic learning. So really this idea of storytelling as a means to discover knowledge and uncover the learning Um, and the knowledge embedded in practice. So the idea, if you could imagine, is you have these nurses in clinical settings where they've been building their knowledge and skills in the classroom, in the skills labs, if you will, and then they go into these, I guess they're called externships or these sort of clinical rounds, and they're working with patients. And my understanding of the article is the storytelling served as a way to facilitate the nurse's learning with an exchange of experiences, right? So maybe almost a reflection or a debrief of a day, a week, your rotation, and to be able to tell a story about a, a situation, an experience you had with a patient, experience you had with another doctor, and not only being able to tell that story but then glean, you know, details and facts that are relevant to the learning you've been doing both in the classroom and in that clinical setting. In terms of benefits, well, beyond the learning, right, the learning of the of the nursing skills and knowledge, the other th- other things that storytelling offers is that you share and identify similar circumstances. You're able potentially to develop empathy for each other, You can certainly gain appreciation for the other person, the experiences they're going through, and perhaps just the experience that you're all going through. It certainly gives you access to human experience outside of your own, which of course has lots of implications for how you will do as a clinician. It broadens your perspective, provides multiple lenses. You get to learn about Different people's experiences and how they interpret the world and walk through the world, and just listening and sharing stories—I would imagine, although they didn't talk about this too more too much—I would imagine it also really develops your bedside manner and your ability to sort of take in information from patients and families as you're with them at the bedside or at when in intake or something. So. It really does or can create a learning environment for collaboration, understanding, trust, respect, acceptance of differences. All of those attributes or factors that are important when you're thinking about the diverse patients that nurses will care for, the demands of the profession. And so how is this related to shared vulnerability? Well, arguably... Everything I've been talking about with respect to leaning in, listening, laughing, loving, learning, well, one could argue that that sounds a lot like storytelling, right? Um, This idea that you're, think about the last time you were with a group of people, whether it was virtually or in person, and you were sharing stories. You were, if it was a good story, you definitely were leaning in and listening I'll bet you were laughing even a little bit, even if it was a serious story and the whole love thing. Remember, it's interest and affection, not romantic love. And I bet you learned something either about the person or the situation or it ended up, you know, from that story, you talked about something else that you you learned. So storytelling has myriad applications, whether it's in a classroom, whether it's in a hospital, whether it's in a clinic, um, there are just so many opportunities to use ser- s- stories to to share your vulnerabilities, to express those moments of confusion and frustration, and things aren't just aren't going right, and also to share laughter and and goofy moments to bring some levity to an otherwise serious situation. So, so when you think about the how of shared vulnerability, I think I brought this research article as a reminder that it doesn't have to be, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It doesn't have to be formal and structured and there aren't any fancy techniques and terms that you have to implement to make this thing happen. It's a matter of storytelling. It's, it's sharing your circumstances. It's caring enough to listen and give somebody else a turn to tell a story. It's, figuring out how to be empathetic and learning to be empathetic. It's appreciating the other person's story and the way that they're walking through life. It's just listening and sharing and acknowledging that we have these shared experiences. So to wrap up shared vulnerability, this work is not easy. I I understand the courage it takes to put yourself out there To risk being seen and rejected. And I'll tell you this I hope you trust me. We are all really in this feeling, similar emotions, thinking related thoughts, and acting in common ways. The circumstances right now, I know, are all different. The contexts are diverse, but the vulnerability, the feelings that are emanating from that vulnerability in these circumstances is the same and it's shared. This week, as you walk through your life and and maybe pace in your, your own personal space at home, create some space. Invent some time to connect with your colleagues, your students, your friends, your families, and your neighbors. Remember, this is not therapy, not your life story. Just tell a story. Share a funny homeschooling story. Talk about it's what it's like to be in a small quarters with your pets all day, every day. Share your adventures with using Zoom or whatever Skype or FaceTime or Google Hangouts or whatever video conferencing you use or some other online tool for the first time. It does not have to be all sorry, tears and worries. It can be laughter and smiles. So the work for the week, I know I've said this a couple of times and I'm going to keep saying it till we all are doing it. Connect with one person outside your home virtually. Check in on this person. Ask them an open-ended question about how they're doing. Share a story about what happened with you this week and just see where it goes. I can't make any promises, but I feel confident that you'll be glad you did this. This has been another episode of Tell Me This. I'm your host, Carrie Burkowski. Please stay safe. Mind your health and be well. Remember that we all have a story to tell. So go out, share yours with someone this week. People want to listen. Thanks.
0: Do you want to simplify your school's technology?